This episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage on your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit our website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Hey everyone, it's time for the Model 3 Owners Club podcast where we talk everything Tesla and Model 3. And uh, tonight we're going to get in on some uh, questions and some Tesla news, of course. Uh, before we begin, I want to introduce my two guests. I have Mr. Eric Camacho and Ian Pavelko. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us tonight. How have you been? Doing well. Hi, everybody. Uh, well, here in the fine city of Montreal, Bonsoir to know. Thanks, guys, for joining. As usual, we got a pretty interesting show kind of lined up. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, I think we're going to just jump in right here. And actually, well, actually, before I do that, um, I know there's been um, a few people that have been joining. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for uh, for listening in. Of course, some of you might be even on the YouTube channel, uh, might be new subscribers. Thanks for subscribing. Um, I just want to put this out. We've had some difficulties with TuneIn, which is... The service that Tesla uses uh, for streaming the podcasts in the cars. And unfortunately, uh, our episodes have not been showing up for the last, oh, probably the last month. And I've been contacting them several different times to find out what the issue is. And because we host the audio version of the podcast on SoundCloud, they've been having some difficulties pulling the feed. So that explains, for those of you who happen to be listening to this kind of offline and not necessarily in your car, that's why it's not showing up. Um, yes, it's frustrating. I apologize profusely. Um, but unfortunately, there's nothing I can do until they get their uh, collective you-know-what together. So I even heard from them today. They're still working on the issue. So in the meantime, you can always listen to the podcast on the YouTube channel, of course. Um, any one of your podcast players, whatever you so choose on your phones. Um, you can even listen to it to SoundCloud. But until they get it fixed... Um, Unfortunately, we won't be able to listen to it in the car, so I just want to apologize for that. But you can look for it when uh, when the time comes. I'll put out a tweet when they finally get it fixed. So just wanted to put that out there for uh, for everybody to know what's going on. Right. So we have some interesting stuff to talk about tonight. It's been a little bit of a slow news week as far as the Tesla stuff is concerned, but that doesn't matter because there are some other things that have been happening, uh, of course, in the auto industry because we're just starting to get into that, you know, auto season now, the LA Auto Show is starting. So we'll get into that a little bit later. I just want to uh, get in here and just talk about a little bit of Tesla news this week. The uh, first one that's really interesting, and uh, thank you for the link, Eric, and I'd seen this, is this really cool video. And let me just pull it up here for those of you who have not seen it which is this really neat video of uh, autopilot. Now, I don't know what the background story is, uh, is this, but I, I think it's this, it might even be the same guys who, who were able to get that um, autopilot computer out of a Model X where they're able to pull the stream out of it live. So you can actually not only see the footage of what autopilot is seeing, but also the overlays and in, in terms of what the neural network is seeing. So I'm just going to put this up. Um, now, I apologize for those of you who are listening to the audio version of the podcast. You can't see that. If you want to see what we're talking about, go to the YouTube channel. I'm just going to play this video. We'll talk over it a little bit here, as you can see. Anyway, so what you're seeing here is someone who's um, driving around on uh, Tale of the Dragon. This might be familiar to you, Ian. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're actually seeing here, and it's a 360 video, and this is why it's really cool, because if I grab my mouse, I can kind of move it around. You can see all the cameras, what it's seeing. Isn't that cool? Whee! Anyway, so what you're seeing here is the autopilot computer system that's actually painting the road. So you can actually see, you know, the drivable space. That's what you're seeing in green. It can see the edges of the, um, of the lines that are painted. Those are in red, of course, uh, as well as the center line. And occasionally as it goes by, uh, by some other cars, you'll see it's doing some tagging around the vehicles. And if I pause this, you'll see, you know, it's drying the uh, bounding boxes around the cars. So you can see that it's actually doing it in the uh, side cameras, the A pillars, the B pillars, or not the A pillars, but the B pillars and the repeaters as we go. Nice oh, there was a motorcycle. Did you see that? It went by. Look at that. It tagged it as a motorcycle. Yeah. Um, really neat. I encourage you. I'll put a video. I'll, I'll put a link to the um, to the video in the in the uh, podcast description and the video description. You can check it out for yourself. But it just goes really show. Uh, I don't know how they did the stitching here, but obviously they were able to pull all the video 
and uh, put it together in the 360. So um, I don't know how much of this is actually on is actually being driven on autopilot necessarily, but it does show you the visualization. It's important to remember that this is purely a vision-based system. This is what Tesla's been talking about for some time. This is not LiDAR. This is strictly a little bit of radar, but mostly the vision-based system. So it's really cool to be able to see what kind of progress they've been making here. So anyways, let me just pause this here. We'll just get back to what we're talking about. So anyways, I thought it was pretty cool. We'll put it in the video link and you guys can uh, can check it out on your own time. You guys have any thoughts on this um, before we move on? <laughs> Well, when I saw the video, I thought it was worth sharing with you guys right away for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, for the length of the video. The video is almost 20 minutes in length. So yeah. There's a lot of stuff to see. So you really kind of get a feel for just how much of the environment the cars are seeing at any given time. And, you know, a lot of the stuff is imagery that we've seen in the past. I mean, we've talked about it on the show previously. But it's interesting to see it now in this view where we're sort of as if we are the computer itself seeing what it sees through its own cameras. But the other part of this is that um, Elon, in recent interviews uh, through various uh, news mediums, has talked about the neural net, about trying to improve it, uh, all these updates and whatnot. And we'll we'll get to some updates that are forthcoming that are sort of head scratchers to what they might be that are fun for the Christmas season. But uh, but at the, the heart of it all with Enhanced Autopilot, it really is about the computer. And, you know, when Monroe did his breakdown of the car, we talked about it in a podcast a couple months ago where what he really took away from that was just how impressive the technology component is that Tesla is far and away going to beat everybody. Uh, so if we're seeing this now in this iteration of autopilot, especially after the launch of version nine in the last several weeks, this is just, again, uh, showing you just how impressive this all is and really how vital it is to the success of the vehicles. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I will throw this out. Um, just saw a tweet just a short while ago before we began. Someone had asked Elon on Twitter uh, what the deal was with the wipers. They said we were not happy with the automatic windshield wipers. And oh, yeah, I saw uh, that. So, uh, and Elon said that there is going to be a software update coming next month that will improve the neural net uh, for detection of you know, water and mist and so on and so forth. So I kind of agree. There are times when it acts really funny. There's times when it does work. So it seems to be hit or miss, but I'm glad to see that they're definitely making some improvements on the auto wiper situation. So look for that software update uh, coming sometime next month, hopefully. I am, I'm pleased to hear that. It's one of my very, very, very few gripes with the car as I find the auto wiper is like not... I'm, I'm manual, I would say, 80% of the time if there's any significant amount of rain. Yeah, out. and then for those of you who, who do not know, Tesla is not employing a rain sensor specifically on all the cars that have been equipped with Autopilot 2. This has been cars really essentially made since uh, August of 2016. Um, they're using purely the cameras to detect raindrops, snow, all that other kind of stuff on the windshield in order to apply the windshield wipers. So, uh, yeah. And this is why it's, you know, it's beta. It does say it's beta <laughs> in the car. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, how many of you have seen this? Um, now, the next one we're going to talk about here is this um, interview uh, with Elon on HBO's, um, what is it? What's it called? Axios? Axios. On HBO? Axios. Axios, thank you. Um, we pulled an, an article from uh, Clean Technica, and I'll put it in the uh, video and the uh, podcast description. You can read it for yourself. It's not very long. It's only about a minute and a bit. Um, and these interviewers were, were basically uh, talking about Elon and, um, you know, their issues with the production ramp on the Model 3. And uh, Elon... You know, he's doing it again. He's talking about Tesla almost dying because of the Model 3 production ramp. And, well, you know what, Eric? You you had some thoughts on this. I'm going to let you talk about it. Uh, I'll let you talk about it first. I have my own thoughts on this, <laughs> which is okay. might, might differ from yours. But go ahead. Tell everybody what you think. Sure. So uh, the first thing I wanted to say, if you are in the United States, you can watch this on HBO. Uh, you can get it on HBO Go, HBO Now, but you can watch the Access interview there. Uh, the interview is more than 10 minutes. Uh, we're seeing some snippets of the interview that was produced by Axios on YouTube. So we're, we're seeing like 90 second snippets, but uh, the whole interview is worth watching just because it goes into... Um, uh, the ramp up with Model 3 production, it talks about uh, AI and the neural net a little bit uh, and some other awesome things that he's looking forward to about going to Mars, for example. It's also been talked about, uh, which on the heels of the news this week with NASA, hooray, we got another lander uh, on, on the InSight lander on Mars. Um, but my thoughts, my thoughts never were really one thing. 
which is in the era of news coverage we have now with Tesla, especially with Elon uh, and his very public uh, persona, it doesn't take much for him to say one thing before it's sort of stripped away uh, of its context and, you know, they just hear a certain phrase or a word mm -hmm. or something. And everyone's like, oh, my God, can you believe what Elon said? Totally negating anything else around that statement at all. So uh, some of you may have heard uh, in the heels of this interview he did that aired on Sunday that Tesla supposedly uh, was within weeks of its death. Uh, now, I, I think it is sort of an exaggeration of the truth a little bit. That's my personal opinion. Um, but Elon certainly has talked about, and he did so in that interview, just the amount of time you spend in the uh, facility, on the floor, looking at all the different parts of the assembly line, uh, you know, just sleeping on a cot, you know, that sort of thing. That's It's been talked about. This is not new information. Uh, but again, the new takeaway was that supposedly the company was weeks away. Now, listen, years ago, the company sort of was in the same precarious position where there was, you know, a funding issue and it somehow made its way to work out. I, I don't think they would have been in the same position. I know others sort of have suggested the same thing that, you know, it's, again, stretching the truth a little bit on Elon's part. Um, but I, but again, that, that little bit of information all of a sudden like made headlines everywhere. And those who wanted to clickbait certainly got it. Mm. But, uh, but that's, that's, that's my takeaway. But again, if you, if you are able to watch the interview on HBO, watch the whole thing, it's worth getting it uh, in context, but it's uh, it's a very insightful interview, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched a little bit of the clip, and I'll be honest, um, you know, Elon's a really interesting character. I really admire what he's doing. He works super hard. Um, he's really changing the auto industry. But in some ways, and don't misconstrue what I'm going to say here, but I think Elon sometimes is he's his own worst enemy. Um, I really admire his transparency. I really admire that he cares about what he does. Um, you know, he, he doesn't he doesn't have much of a filter. Um, but sometimes, you know, there's things like that when he mentions about, you know, single digit weeks away from going out of business because they were bleeding money and stuff. You know, that's that's in the past. Why do you have to keep bringing it up? I mean, unless he's just he's just trying to be dramatic, but I don't believe he's trying to be dramatic. It's just like, I don't know, man. It's like, put it behind you. You're profitable now. Keep moving forward. Um, you know, little sound bites like that just gives the short something to run with and, and just keep doing, you know, what they do. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with shorting a stock. I mean, if that's what you're going to do, that's fine. But, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to take it and twist it. And it's like, why do you keep twisting that knife in your side, man? I mean, we know you went through production hell. You're in delivery hell now. Um, you know, I don't know. Elon needs a filter when it comes to that kind yeah, of stuff. I mean, it's, and I'm with you there, like, but it's also largely a lot of hindsight. I mean, it, it's things that we know are sort of in the past, and we're, we're sort of beyond that point now. There's so many great successes, especially from quarter the third quarter, that the company can celebrate in terms of its profitability, uh, the margins, the number of vehicles they moved, all that stuff. And there's so many things to celebrate. And you know, he's he's on the record and said this is a very complex thing. Like, it's not you shouldn't want to start a car company in this day and age. Uh, in America, and and it's good, to, and we're going to get to another car company coming up later in the show, but again, there's challenges, and you know, the key for all of this is really the heart of the remission, which is to accelerate, uh, you know, uh, going to sustainability. So they sort of push the envelope in many different ways, partially because they had to out of necessity, mm -hmm. but other times because there was just that drive to do it, and times of the essence, especially on all the climate changes we're going on. But yeah, it's 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 a it's an eye-opening thing for him to hear him say. But I, I, you know, we're it's all hindsight. The company's doing fine. It had a successful third quarter. Uh, it's best quarter yet, and he's hoping to have profitability for every quarter moving forward. So let's you know sort of keep trudging down the path that we're on and not worry about where we were. Let's worry about now where we're, let, we're going. Let's, let's celebrate the successes now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, and move on. And just move on. Can we just can we just have some cake and a party hat and that's it? Can we just keep going? Well, <laughs> well, in more positive news, in more positive news, um, we just caught a tweet from Elon. I'm going to put it up right here. Super fun software Easter eggs coming for all Tesla S3 and X. I love how he puts that in that particular order. Uh, cars before the holidays, romance mode, toilet humor, and more video games. Yay! Who doesn't love more software features just before the holidays? I I'm dying to know what romance mode is. Hmm. <laughs> Does like Barry White come onto the sound system? Oh. And, like, <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> the blue light kind of dims a little. And yeah, like, is, uh, maybe. Who knows? I mean, they do have a sense of humor. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, Imagination runs wild. Yeah, exactly. I, you know what? It, th- this has been a, a little bit of a thing for them uh, just before the holidays. Of course, they did the uh, Model X Easter egg, which is, you know, it does... You know, the the dance, the Easter, or the Christmas dance, as mm-hmm. people call it, because that came out in Christmas of 2016. Um, they, uh, they, at last year, uh, just before Christmas, they added the uh, Santa and the reindeer mode, you know, to the autopilot. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're going to be adding some more stuff. And, of course, a lot of people have been asking uh, about more games. Uh, Elon did put out a tweet. Someone had asked them specifically um, if there was anything like Super Mario Kart coming to the car, because, hey, why not? Mm-hmm. And he said no, because uh, Nintendo would not license it to them. So, right. so far, they seem to be in bed with Atari, which is fine because they got certainly a large catalog of games, um, mm-hmm. you know, to fall back on. So, uh, looking forward to some of that stuff. I mean, the one that I play occasionally is Lander, and I am improving yeah. on it. Jay Pace is an expert at that. <laughs> he, he whipped my butt the last time I was here, so we had fun with that. Shout out to Jay. Keep up the good work, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm interested, too, like with romance mode. Is there going to be something with the heated seats? <laughs> there we go. Okay. So much. We got to keep this PG, boys. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Ah. Uh, all right. Well, we just wanted to throw that out. Um, you know what? Uh, there's there's something else on the market right now, and this is the segue we're going to get into because we have to talk about this this elephant in the room that is the Rivian pickup truck and SUV that just came out. Now, for those of you who haven't seen this thing, I'll put a link in the video in the uh, podcast description where you can watch the intro. Um, Holy mackerel, this thing is killer. Um, So Rivian, okay, I'm going to read you a little bit here from um, the uh, Wikipedia article on on Rivian. Uh, It was founded in 2009 um, by a, uh, his CEO, his name is Robert Scarringe. Um, he's a graduate of the uh, Ressler Polytechnic Institute in Massachusetts. Into, you know, he's an MIT graduate. Um, the, ca- the car company has been largely operating in stealth mode for the last few years. I mean, we've heard a few little bits. They were, might have been working on a pickup and stuff. Um, but uh, they finally had their coming out party. And uh, holy mackerel, is this thing ever cool? So basically, this pickup truck is... A Tesla-like platform, which, of course, as we all know, is the right way to do an electric vehicle. Um, I've since discovered that they are definitely using 2170 cells in their in their um, battery packs. Their modules are approximately 15 kilowatt each. They're using 12 modules in their battery pack. Um, so at that highest density, that equates to 100 kilowatt hour battery, 180 kilowatt hour battery pack, I should say, at the high end. They're going to be offering three battery packs. The base battery pack is 105 kilowatt hour. The mid range is 135, and the high end is 180. They claim 400 plus miles um, on the 180 kilowatt version of, of the car. Of course, this is not towing or anything like that. It's just you know just the car by itself. The uh, lower end car will do 240 plus miles. They haven't actually. Um, publish the EPA figures yet. Of course, they can't until the EPA actually tests that stuff. Uh, top speed, 125 miles per hour. The f- uh, quickest one is uh, three seconds. That's on the 135 kilowatt hour uh, battery pack. So certainly no slouch. The R, um, They call it the R1T. They have two cars, the R1T and the R1S. The T is for truck. The S is for the SUV. Or actually, they're calling it an activity vehicle. It's not really technically a pickup truck uh, because it doesn't it doesn't have certain other features. They're claiming a ten thousand pound uh, towing capacity on the R1T. It has each one of the cars has four independent motors, each of them with a half shaft, which is unusual because the Tesla uses, as you know, uh, two motors uh, with half shafts going out to the wheels. So they're going to be able to do things like uh, torque uh, vectoring uh, steering. Uh, that type of thing on the car. So super, super impressive. On the design front, um, the front end of the car is a little, you know, it's uh, it's a bit controversial because they're doing something different with the headlights. Um, I'm going to give them a mulligan on that because obviously you have to have something on the front end to do something. So uh, I'll wait to see it in person before I pass judgment on it. Right now, I'm just not a big fan, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, the rest of the car looks great as far as I'm concerned. The interior certainly looks like a cross between a Model 3 and a Model X type of thing. They've, they're definitely doing some nice things as far as the interior is concerned. Two screens, of course. Um, horizontal screen for the center screen, much like what they're doing in the Model 3. It looks like it's about 15 inches. Um, they're claiming software updates, just like Tesla is. 
As far as the rest of the car is concerned, they are doing something interesting with the the um, with the center tunnel. They have this tunnel between the cab and the actual bed of the truck. It's a pass-through tunnel where two doors actually flip down, and these doors also act as steps. And uh, I just recently discovered, too, that there is a cover that lifts up on them, and there's some storage inside of that step as well. So some, uh, there's some very clever use of space on the car. Uh, on the car. The bed, on the other hand, is not a full-size bed. Um, it's more squarish. I think it's five feet by five feet. I don't have the exact measurements in front of me. Um, of course, with the tailgate that actually flips all the way down, uh, not only flat, but 180 degrees down, and it has two integrated um, little steps that pop out, which is kind of neat. And uh, they got a space um, underneath the um, the bed for a spare tire, if you so wish, and a huge, huge frunk. Have you guys seen the frunk on this thing? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's huge. Girl's going to be so excited. Yeah, I'm going to just give me a second here. I'm just going to pull up some you pictures. You can have a front zoo. Yeah. And you can, uh, you can put it on Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> you could. Yeah, I'm just going to pull up um, a picture here so I can put it up for you guys. Anyways, I'm super, super impressed with this thing. Um, it's looking really, really killer. I'm just going to see if I can pull up the uh, front trunk on this thing here just to show you guys what it all looks like. I was not prepared in advance here because I just got so many things on the go. But uh, here, check it out. There's the front trunk on this thing. Um, they have integrated uh, those. Uh, so there's two lights in this thing. And uh, those are the little baggage clips or the uh, grocery bag clips, much like what they've done on the Model 3 all the way around. Um, there's a picture of the tunnel. And I'll just bring that up here, too. Let me just show you what this looks like. Oops, where did it go? Oh. Come on. Crow. And again, if, if you are listening to this show uh, through your various podcast apps, you can go to our YouTube channel yes, and please. see the images that are being shown <laughs> on the screen. Please, please do that. I apologize. I apologize. Oh, Tra son Trevor, of a gun. They're not Trevor letting me. Trevor will figure this out eventually that he can't see pictures in audio mediums. Yes, I know. Okay, so here's a here's a picture of the um, of the lift gate on the back. I'll make it a little bit bigger so you guys can see what I'm talking about. So it has these integrated um, steps in the back that flip down. Um, the rear bed of the truck also has a couple of compartments. You can you can almost make them out there on the side, and they have built in uh, 120 volt outlets, as well as uh, USB three ports, as well as a built in air compressor, which is you know it's not uh, not unheard of. Other like some minivans on the market have air compressors built in, um, but it's nice that they've actually integrated it. Here I've got a picture of the. Uh, come on. Are you going to give me trouble here? No, these are official images from Rivian, so I'll put this up here. Come on, here we go. Look at that. Isn't that cool? Um, I know a lot of people on Twitter and the uh, internet were asking about uh, charging on this car. Um, it is definitely using a CCS port. So in North America, it'll be J1772 on the top and the uh, DC ports on the bottom. The charge port on the Rivian R1T is located in the passenger side front, just 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 behind the front bumper. So it's in the front of the car. And I think it's clever in the fact that they actually put it on the passenger side, specifically for North America, because if you're parking on the street, you're going to be up against a curb. So that actually makes sense to put the charge port there. I personally think anyways, that's my personal opinion. So there's definitely some, um, some changes that are going on there. I got another picture here that I can bring up for you guys. This is the interior of the, of the pickup. And the SUV, of course, they both look the same. So you can get an idea here. Every time I look at their logo, I think it looks like a Renault logo. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh -huh. it, it's the exact same thing. It's just a little bit more sort of squared off. Yeah, exactly. But um, No, you know what's cool about the interior on this thing is it's it's going to be very appealing to the traditional North American truck buyer. They're going to feel right at home because, yeah, it's it's all digital. It, it uses a lot of the same Tesla layout, mm -hmm. but there's an air of familiarity about like, you know, just the form of the dash, the colors, you know, it, it, it'll look, anybody driving a full-size American truck right now is not going to feel like, wow, okay, this is totally wacky. Yeah. And, and you know, that where I wanted to go with all this is, you know, we know from Elon's comments that Tesla wants to take a very futuristic approach to the pickup. They, they're, they're doing their Blade Runner thing. Yeah. Which will be awesome. I mean, you know, it'll it'll totally change the way people look and think about trucks. But for somebody who's a little bit more conservative and wants to transition smoothly without you know really ruffling things i think this is going to be a good choice well barring what tesla is going to be working on of course because uh, this car is going to be going in production sometime in late uh, 2020 so we'll really call it a 2021 uh, 
if the Tesla pickup actually ends up being a little bit more of a priority inside of the company after Model Y, uh, they better get hopping because these guys are, um, I mean, if they can bring this thing to production in time and be able to get their finances, they do have a factory. They bought a factory in January of last year in Norman, Illinois. Uh, normal in Illinois, I should say. I apologize for that. The old Diamond Star Mitsubishi. That's line, right. right. Yeah, exactly. So they're in the process of uh, outfitting that, of course, and getting uh, whatever production they need to to adapt to this. So uh, they're well on their way. Now, if they've got some solid financial backing and they don't have a lot of uh, shakeups inside the company and they do things, I mean, you have to remember, this is not going to be Model 3 type production numbers. This, I would suspect, they haven't released um, production numbers. I would suspect they probably do probably 20,000, 10 to 20,000 cars when they first start until they get things kind of sorted out. Of course, you have to start small when you're when you're going, when you first start, because you don't know what your demand is going to be. I think demand on this has, um, well, the interest on the car at least has been certainly there. Should mention about pricing though too. I'm I'm confused. I didn't mention about prices. Um, 69,000 US before any federal tax credits. This is the base unit. Um, they did say in, te- in typical Tesla fashion that they will be making the high-end versions first. Here's a picture of the uh, skateboard platform so you get an idea of what we're talking about. looks very much like a uh, Model S platform that Tesla used to have in their showrooms. As you can see here, they got the large battery pack in the middle and the drivetrains both packaged on uh, both ends. So um, definitely some good packaging on this uh, vehicle architecture because it allows them to stretch it to whichever way they want, which is, you know, it's, it's brilliant. So it's, it's the right way of doing things. Um, right, so they're going to be making the high-end uh, versions first, which means that they're going to be expensive. So uh, it would not surprise me that this vehicle uh, is easily over six figures, uh, probably in the $120,000 range, uh, well-equipped with basically all the options on it. I was also having a conversation uh, with a friend of mine, Justin Wise, who's in the um, um, camper business, and uh, he was very interested in this thing, and he did mention to me a few things. Um in his opinion, the 10,000 towing capacity is bare minimum uh, because of the fact of how this thing is architected. He doesn't know whether you'll be able to tow a fifth wheel with this. It'll be mostly the trailer type thing. Um, he had also mentioned to me about the fact that, you know, are, are you going to be able to do a snowplow with this type of thing? Um, I, I don't know what options they're going to be able to offer on this type of thing. Um, they are positioning it not as a traditional pickup truck like an F1. 150. I mean, yes, you can make a comparison that it, it it's a comparison against the, an F-150 or 250 or 350 for that matter. But those tend to be a little bit more generic pickups in the sense that you can put towing packages on, you can put snowplow packages on it. Um, something like this, which is coming in new with a different architecture, um, all that stuff is going to have to be rejiggered. So there's always a very good cottage industry when it comes out to EVs, you know, building features and products. So I would not be surprised if we see things. But again, there's still a lot of unknowns about this car, but it's looking really promising. Look, if I wasn't such a Tesla fanboy and I'm willing to wait to see what Tesla offers and I was in the market for a pickup, they'd get my thousand bucks, I think. What do you guys think? <laughs> I mean, I mean I'm, not a, I'm not a truck. No, uh, neither am I. I'm just saying if I was in the industry. Well, no, but like, when I when I read the specs when I first uh, you know saw the vehicle and saw their their pictures and stuff I'm like it is a damn good looking yep. couple of vehicles um, you know I, I think I think you're right the the price points are certainly going to detract people initially uh, especially for those who are looking to go electric if they're looking for a utility vehicle or a truck of that kind uh, but it it is it's great to see I mean I mean we we've sort of thought about this before like once competitors sort of come out there with alternative options compared to tesla like it's a good thing for the industry uh and they've really done their homework i mean it's you know when you're looking at uh people from mit or they're you know they're taking over a factory in illinois from mitsubishi uh for their production ramp mm-hmm. um it's it's good to see this i mean it's it really it really is for their premier vehicles just they're they look fantastic yeah. so we'll we'll see yeah. once once production ramps up how the tesla vehicles compare at the time and where things are with the model y and everything else that's sort of in the production ramp but yeah, this is uh, this is definitely an eye opener for this, sure. This is the real deal. Um, oh, I'm going to bring up another picture here. This is the SUV variant of it. Um, it's largely the same thing, but instead of the bed on the back, they've got more of a. Um, uh, it looks. It, you know what? It looks just like a Land Rover. <laughs> Land Rover. They're coming after you. <laughs> um, so it's seven passengers on this, uh, or seven seat se- seating for seven. I should say. So, um, and of course those, uh, it does not have suicide doors. This is just a rendering to show you the interior space of the car. So don't get too excited. 
as far as that's concerned. So and also think about how many how many you know we have the Audi e-tron we have all these other the Jaguar I-Pace which we'll talk about later on but there's a number of vehicles that are coming out now in the SUV market that are electric but they don't have seating for seven so this is I think the only other vehicle other than the Model X that could offer a seating for seven so for those people who still want yeah. a different option at least now you're looking at a potential competitor for the Model X well this was the first product that I've seen um, you know just before the LA Auto Show and then of course we're going to be seeing more from the other manufacturers at this point mm-hmm. um, we don't know what GM is going to be offering we don't know what uh, Ford is going to be showing at the show so it's definitely something we'll be keeping an eye on this is like I said this mm-hmm. is the start of auto season um, auto show seasons so we got the LA one um, I forget when is the when's the Detroit one Ian do you remember when the Detroit one is Detroit yeah it's early January early January and of course then it shifts over to February here in Toronto yep. so um, I don't expect to see Rivian there but I haven't checked the website to see if they have a booth in Toronto if they do I'm heading there and um, I promise to get you footage from that so Excellent. yeah this is looking really promising this thing uh, you know the more i look at it and the more i've been reading about it the more excited i get about something like this this is you know in my opinion and tesla i think is right to to you know set their laser sights on this market because in a lot of ways the pickup market is ripe for some kind of disruption especially electrification nobody else is doing this yet um, well, it's amazing to me that none of the big three have even so much hinted at the fact that they're going to do a full electric pickup. Like, how is it that it takes another startup to go after this market? It's it's that's kind of amazing to me. Yeah. You know, I, like, at what point are they going to wake up and go, "Hello, you know, why do you think you're closing factories here?" You like, know what I saw. With the yeah, you know what I saw yesterday. I saw a spy shot of a Ford F one fifty that had a plug. So it's at least a plug-in hybrid. They are working on at least a plug-in hybrid version of it. So whether it's full I don't electric, that. I, I think right? those are going to be the announcements we see yet. I mean, um, you got to remember, uh, GM has experimented with this, right? They've had non-plug-in hybrid versions of the Sierra and uh, and Silverado running around, but it it never really led to very much because it wasn't, you know, a particularly. It added to the price of the vehicle, and it didn't dramatically uh, improve its efficiency. Yeah, I can't seem to find a picture of it, but I did see a spy shot of it, and it had a. Um, would look like a CCS plug on the side. So anyhow, yeah, it's looking really promising in a lot of ways. I mean, it's not like the, um, the pickup industry hasn't seen innovations, um, but the innovations have been more evolutionary. Um, they haven't been really revolutionary. And of course the revolution really comes from the fact that you've got an electrified platform now. So when you make the platform flat, now you've got a lot of opportunity space. This is, you know, these are Franz's words, not mine. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, with a with a with a flat platform, um, in a lot of ways, you you get some advantages as far as packaging is concerned. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm you know, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's it's just it's exciting. And when I see innovation like that, I, it it just it gets me it gets me thinking about the possibilities and you know the more the merrier i mean if we can get the other guys on board and i'm sure this is this is something that's probably you know shot across the bow for those uh, who might have been thinking about doing something like this who who really knows until we actually see what the plans are from the other incumbents but um and of course with tesla because we don't know what they're working on i don't suspect we'll see the pickup for probably at least two years um because they're currently you know doing the design work right now so but um in typical tesla fashion if it's anything like model 3 uh they will bring it to market very quickly model 3 of course went from design to production in about two and a half years um, other manufacturers take about six to do a new car from scratch so exciting times um anything oh, else real quick, I, ch- I checked the exhibitor list for the 2019 canadian auto show yep. as of right now uh they will not be there okay as of right- thank you you're welcome Thank you. Well, I was going to look it up anyways, but since you've got it in front of you and I'm busy doing mission control here, I appreciate you giving us that input. So. I, I got I got some quick fingers. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. All right. Um, speaking of that, um, a little bit of a, a segue. Ian, you, you were just telling us before the show that you had a chance to drive a new EV, which is the I-Pace. So... Uh, why don't you give us your preliminary thoughts on this car that I you did, had and I, and I promise, friends, we'll get back to talking Tesla soon. Yes, yes, yes. Off on a, on a complete, you know, left-hander here, but uh, yeah, it uh, was kind of a sudden um, chance. Uh, one showed up at the shop today, and I got to take it for a spin. And um, 
it's a very different experience. When you step out of a Model 3 into the I-Pace, it's, it's a completely different feel. Uh, it feels much more traditional, sort of what you'd expect getting into, you know, um, a premium crossover vehicle. It drives a lot, actually, like the F-Pace. You know, they, they intentionally seem to make it a very easy transition. So for anybody who's got, uh, you know, like one of the smaller Land Rovers, uh, an Acura MDX, uh, an Evoke. Yeah, you, you would not feel at all out of place getting into this thing. You know, the interior is very opulent. It's beautifully designed. It's very, again, being used to Model 3 now, it's like, oh, my God, it's very busy in here. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. it looks exactly like every other car interior. You know, it's just I'm, my eye is now reprogrammed. Um, but, yeah, if you wanted to have something like a Jaguar or any high-end luxury experience in an SUV in terms of the outside look, the inside look, the feel, how it drives, uh, this is a great alternative. Um, my first impression of it was it felt a little heavy. It felt like massive. Again, I think they engineered that in. A lot of people like that. It's, it's you know, it gives it this sense of heft. Um, well, the Model X is no different. No, uh, I, I would say the Model X actually feels more agile than this does. Hmm. Um, and again, that's intentional, I think. I think Jag wanted to give it a more sort of luxury-oriented ride to it. Now, there are different drive modes, I will say. I didn't really have time to experiment with them. You know, you, you could probably crank it up and make it feel sportier. Um, but overall, I mean, it was very well made. I was quite impressed with uh, with the build quality of the thing. Um, made nice by, made by Magna Steer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um what else can I tell you about it? Um, the, the most amazing thing was when I really gave it the beans, it makes a sound. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, I'm aware of that. There's, yeah, there's this little faint six-cylinder, I would describe it. It sounded like a six-cylinder harmonic hum coming out of the speakers. And I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> At first, I thought there was something wrong with the half shafts. Like, you know, I felt like the floor <laughs> vibrating. I'm like, what's going on? And it's like, no, it makes a noise. It's like the BMW i8 with the fake engine noises. Yeah, but the i8 sounds beautiful. I, I got to spend an afternoon with one of those last year, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I got to say, that's a very cool vehicle. Mm. And but because it has a gas engine and it's operating, you know, it's but it's, it, yeah, it was hilarious. It was like the the mouse that learned to roar. It's this little one point <laughs> five liter three cylinder. It's like, it sounds like an M six, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but no, that this isn't. This is much more subtle. My personal opinion is, if you're going to make an EV noise. It should be something very cool and futuristic, you know. Like I want to hear like the Millennium Falcon or something like this, you know, like kind of what we already have in the Teslas, just amplified to really make it, you know, space age. Mm -hmm. um, I thought reproducing an internal combustion engine was just odd, but again, you know, this is a, Jag. I think is taking a different tack. It's like okay, if if you're too freaked out by you know Tesla or the the pure futuristic EV experience, let's slowly bring you in and give you all of the familiar sort of trappings of our existing cars but with a full ev drivetrain and at that it succeeds very well i mean it's super easy to get used to you could get out any other jag and get into this thing or any modern suv and feel completely at home um and at that i i think it's it's a success uh, certainly it drives well in every respect it, it handles it's uh, like i said the ride is great um punchy enough i mean i think the zero to 60 is in the mid four second range um, again, I'm, I'm a poor judge of that now. Everything on earth to me feels slow. My, <laughs> you are my spoiled. <laughs> is so screwed up. Yeah, it really, it's, it's terrible. Owning a performance three is a curse in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's got plenty, uh, plenty of speed. Um, apparently the recharge speed on it is better than I thought. One of the complaints is that the onboard level two charger is only 7.7 .7 kilowatts. So on level two, you're looking at 11 hours to recharge it from zero to, to full charge. But apparently, in where you can get it, uh, it'll it'll do something close to I think 100 kilowatts mm -hmm. on um, on CCS. On, uh, it's a, has on a CCS two, part, yeah, right? on CCS exactly. So wherever that level is available, mm -hmm. it's pretty speedy. Yeah. Well, thank you for that report. Um, I have not had the pleasure of driving one yet. There have been some around, um, but I just never got a chance to go out and check it out. Um, I'm hoping that the EV Discovery Center here probably gets one sometime in the next future, or um, maybe in even the auto show. Um, they tend to team up with uh, some of the manufacturers to offer test rides on those. So I'm um, looking forward to that if I can get my hands on it. Um, you know, from all the reports that I've heard from most of the people, the, um, they nailed the luxury, they nailed the interior. As far as yep. that's concerned, I mean, in a traditional sense, uh, but they Correct. certainly got that down pat. Um, other areas, uh, you know, the, you know, Jaguar has been making a lot of noise about trying to position it against the Model X because it is an SUV segment. Um, but, um, 
yeah, it's a different animal altogether. And um, I like the look of it. That's that's definitely a plus. I like the look of that car. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. Earlier today, we decided because there was a little bit less Tesla news, we've, we thought we'd go back and try and tackle some uh, uh, viewer and listener questions. And uh, I'd like to try and make this a regular thing on the show as much as possible. Um, we got an incredible response uh, with all kinds of questions. So we have to apologize in advance. If we didn't get to your question, uh, please try again. We'll definitely get to some of them because we just got such a good response. I had to actually nail it down to about nine or ten questions because otherwise we'd just be here for hours and hours and hours. So, <laughs> so having said that, um, you guys can jump in anytime you want. I'm just going to read off the first question. So um, these come from social media, so it could be from YouTube or, or Twitter or Facebook, whatever. So the first one, uh, Phil Watson says, what's the best percentage to charge daily overnight on your Tesla? Ooh, that's a great question. Yes. So uh, Tesla recommends to its owners, and you'll know this in the owner's manual, uh, about no greater than 90% for your daily commute. So when you're looking at your vehicles and you're able to set your charge limit, uh, you'll see that Tesla allows you both on the app and from your car's uh, screen that you can do as low as 50% to as great as 100%. Now, the 90 to 100% is really when you're reserving it for your trips. So only go to 100% when you're about to go on a trip. You want to get the full charge, which will minimize the number of charging stops to make on your road trip. Now, the best percentage is 80%. Looking at possible, 80% is your best bet. Um, otherwise, you can do up to 90% uh, for your daily charge, but 80% is the most recommended charge. Good. Um, I charge to 90%, and I have been doing that since day one, since I've owned my car, and I'm coming up to, uh, well, almost a year's ownership of my car. Um, I have done range charges very, very infrequently, only when I go on very long distances, especially in the winter, because I need that little extra juice. Model X is a big car. It has a 75 kilowatt hour battery pack in my case. So every little bit helps. Um, I will report back. Um, well, I'll tell you right now, um, it looks like I've lost about 1% of my battery capabilities. Now, I have done several drives where I get it down to about 3%. So I don't really believe that it's a BMS calibration thing. I think it's just the natural cause of, of, of things um, that it, it charges basically up to about 90% and it drops very quickly and it stays at about 89. So I'm calling that 1% over one year. Um, I think anecdotally that most of the data that seems to be coming in, um, Model S has been in production for basically six years now. Uh, most people, especially on the high end, um, you know, they're putting 300,000 miles on their car. I've seen about anywhere from 5 to 6% degradation. So I think one year, 1%, mm. I think we're right in there. So I'm not complaining. Yeah. I'm just, just reporting what I've seen on my particular car. All right. Next question comes from Thomas Moore. He says, Model 3 approach to battery warming after cold soak? Question mark. Seems different from Model S and X approach, i.e. it's slower. And yes, the answer is it is slower to preheat the battery. Uh, um, the battery on the Model 3 because, um, in case you don't know this, you might be new to this, the Model S and the Model X have a dedicated battery heater and they also have a dedicated cabin heater. On the S and the X, they are both, e well, they're each 6 kilowatt. And on the Model 3, it only has a heater for the cabin, which is 7 kilowatt. What the difference is on the Model 3 is they are employing what's called waste heat scavenging, which is a method of capturing heat generated by the motors, power electronics, inverters, that type of technology, um, to help heat the battery pack. So, of course, without having a dedicated battery heater, um, that's where the slowness is coming from because it's not quite as... So it's a trade-off. In the case of Model 3, it's partly about being as efficient as possible by not having that secondary heater. There are some, you know, secondary advantages to that. Of course, there's some cost savings and stuff. Um, 
there have been uh, a lot of reports on the internet where the car makes a lot more noise when you're supercharging and you're charging the car, clicks and clunks and so on and so forth. Uh, part of that is heat expansion. Part of that is the motors going into heat scavenging mode where they can manipulate my understanding here. I may, may not be correct on this, um, where they can uh, manipulate the magnetic field of the motor when it's actually sitting still and not moving to actually generate heat. So some of the noise and the clunks that some of you might be reporting, that's probably where some of that stuff is coming from. I'm not a Tesla engineer. I don't know all of the stuff. This is just my current understanding based on what um, I've been able to read online. So I hope that answers some of your questions uh, as far as that's concerned. So it's normal. Just preheat your car, stay a little bit longer, whatever you need to do. Um, next question comes from Alexander Zangeri. He says, price tag for Model 3 in Europe. Um, that seems to be, that I got that question many times. Um, of course, Model 3 is going to be coming to Europe uh, very early uh, in the year, just a, you know, a couple more months, three more, four months. Um, my answer to this is it's, it's super easy to figure out what the Model 3 is going to cost in your local dollars in Europe. And, and this is how I came up with Model 3 pricing, and I was accurate within $100. Here's how you do it. It's real simple. You go look at a Model S, what it costs in your local currency, and then go look at what the U.S. currency is for the same configuration. Figure out what the exchange factor is. In the case of Canada, it's 1.29, 1.30 on the dollar. And then you apply that same conversion to what the Model 3 is. So look at the U.S. pricing of a Model 3 with its options. Do the conversion. It's easy with the options because the options on the Model 3 and all the other cars are sold exactly the same way in your local current uh, country. All you have to do is, is that basic calculation on the base price of the car. And then you'll have your, your dollar equivalent. Uh, it'll be very, very close to what the Model 3 will cost in your local currency. So um, lots of people ask that question. I hope that answers it. But uh, that's how I did it, and that's how it was accurate, and it seems to be fairly consistent. That's the thing with Tesla is that their pricing is consistent um, with all of their, their cars, and that's that's deliberate on their part. And, um, yeah, so I hope that answers that. Um, next question comes from Stefan Schnabs. He says, is there a setting to not autofold the mirrors on the Model 3? And the answer is yes. Yes. Yes, there is. Yeah. How do you do so, it, Eric? Uh, there so there's a way with the uh, when you're going to your car settings by tapping the car icon on the bottom left corner of your screen. Uh, when you have your vehicle settings, go under locks. Uh, under locks, now that uh, there's no sub menu, everything's sort of under the same menu with version nine. You want to uh, take your finger and kind of push the menu upwards uh, until you get towards the bottom, and there will be an option for window for the folding of the wind of the mirrors. So you can kind of turn that, just turn the toggle. To off, uh, so it's not highlighted in blue, and that will prevent your mirrors from auto folding when your vehicle is locked. I do believe you can also access it from the driver profile menu. If you tap on the driver profiles and you go to settings, I think there's a function in there where you can Maybe. you can get at it too. Maybe. But don't quote me on that. Yeah, mine's a little different. Uh, whatever. Okay, next question comes from uh, Joe Donato. He says, "Is there any advantage to inflating tires with nitrogen versus air?" I think this is a question for Ian. Now, why would you say that? <laughs> Take it away, Ian. Of, Tell us what you really think. Air. <laughs> um, yeah, that, yes, there is, is the short, very, very short answer. Is it a really big difference? No, it's, you know, from a scientific standpoint, it would be borderline negligible. But I'll, what's going on with nitrogen, there's a few advantages to it. Number one is that nitrogen molecules are larger than oxygen molecules. So if you get rid of all the oxygen molecules and replace them with all nitrogen molecules, there's um, basically the tire will lose air more slowly because any any tire, no matter how perfectly sealed it is, over time, weeks, months, sometimes years, will slowly lose air. You know, it tends to get out around the edges of the valve or the, the interface between the tire and the, and the wheel, et cetera, et cetera. So nitrogen fill does help keep the pressure steadier for a longer period of time. I've noticed that myself, all of my stuff is nitrogen filled and it does help keep the pressure. Uh, the second benefit is that uh, it will, um, nitrogen is a dry gas. Uh, again, atmospheric air that you normally put into your tires to begin with already has 78% nitrogen. It's not like it's this magical gas that you're completely replacing. So basically, you know, almost four fifths of what you're putting into the tire is nitrogen to begin with. But it's that last 21% oxygen again that's the problem. Uh, oxygen 
um, can absorb moisture. So it'll carry humidity into the tire. And what that does is at very high temperatures, the moisture that's trapped in that oxygen can flash into steam, and that'll dramatically mess with the pressures. So there's more of a pressure variance with regular air as opposed to nitrogen. Nitrogen's a dry gas. It can't carry any humidity in the tire. So if they're properly purged and pure nitrogen inside the tire, you will have a more stable pressure over a wider range of temperatures. A lot of people, although labor under the misapprehension that nitrogen um, keeps your pressure steady all the time at any temperatures, this is not true. Mr. Boyle and his law will tell you that it doesn't matter <laughs> what you put in there. If it's a gas, it will expand and it will contract. So there's no getting away from that, kids. Unfortunately, in winter, you're going to have to pump the pressures up. And then in summer, you're going to have to bring them back down. But it will vary less, which is another thing. Mm. The third and final thing that it does is uh, it helps protect the rubber inside the tire. Uh, really? Oxygen, although it keeps us alive, is a very nasty gas when it comes to oxidizing things. And it will attack the rubber. Um, we can't do anything about the outside. Of course, we have to have oxygen outside the vehicle. It's good for us. But uh, So the outside of your dryer over years will start to crack and, and harden. But inside the tire, the lack of oxygen will keep the, uh, the inner membrane of the tire uh, nice and supple. And um, that will hopefully keep the tires serviceable a little bit longer. So those, those are the three main benefits. Mm. I, not big differences uh, in, in any of the three. But you know, if you, if you get it as a free service, wherever you are, or if they only want a few bucks... I'd recommend it. Um, oh, last thing I'll throw in there is don't be under the impression that if you get the tires nitrogen filled, you now have to only go and put nitrogen in them. You, you I won't. was going to ask you that. Yeah, no, you don't contaminate them. I mean, if you let's suppose <laughs> you're missing three psi and you put in regular air, guess what? Four fifths of what you're putting in is nitrogen. So it's no, there, there there will be no explosions. There'll be nothing dramatic happening. It's all fine. You'll just introduce a little bit of oxygen, and you can no longer claim pure nitrogen air. Excellent. Well, thank you for. Uh, I learned clearing... something new every time. Me too. I thought it was a marketing videos. gimmick. You know, every give time. us thirty bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, you know, if, depending on how much they charge, is it there? But no. But that's the story. Excellent. You know what? I, I want you to answer and just reiterate what you told Jay Pace today because he uh, he had asked you on Twitter, of course, and I didn't put it in the show notes. But since we're talking about it here, storage of your winter tires. Um, in colder climates, I think he was asking about cracking or whatever. So you want to reiterate what you told him today? Yeah, I get that a lot. Um, because we're talking, um, Jay Scar is a performance model three with the upgrade. So he's got the summer only, uh, Michelin, um, pilot sport four S's. And, uh, you have to be a little bit careful with those. Um, when it comes to storing a summer only tire, particularly the super UHP tires, the tread compound is quite fragile at low temperatures. First of all, you should never drive on a tire like that at anything below freezing, if you can avoid it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, a couple of degrees below for a few miles is not going to kill it. But if you were to drive them, you know, in, uh, in serious, really deep freezing temperatures for any period of time you could seriously harm them you know you'll you'll crack the rubber you'll you'll actually destroy the carcass of the tire um there's a lot of questions what happens if i want to store it in um you know in my shed which is not heated or in jay's case an unheated garage you know and it gets down to very cold temperatures in the storage area is that harmful that is very much a question that you have to go by make and model of tire. So I would recommend you look up on the manufacturer's website for your tire what the storage recommendation is. If there's none, drop them an email. Almost every tire company has, you know, a customer service portal that you can get in touch with them and find out exactly what they recommend. I know um, uh, seven degrees Celsius below, so minus seven C, which would be, you know, what, uh, maybe around 20 degrees Fahrenheit or something like that, or in that range, teens is sort of recommended as the lower limit for storage on a lot of very high-end UHP uh, tires. In Jay's case, I went a little further. I reached out to Michelin, and what they came back with was, well, store it in a, in a cool, dry place, as the song says, <laughs> but not, not too cold. And I kept prodding them. I was like, well, what is too cold? Well, you know, like not really, really cold. I said, well, how about minus 20C? Would that be okay? And they came back and said, yeah, as long as the tire is unloaded, that is, they're not installed in the vehicle, there's no load, they don't move, um, you won't harm them at minus 20. So I thought that was pretty generous. I mean, you know, mm. if your garage is getting below minus 20, I don't want to live where you live. <laughs> and I live in a pretty cold place. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. L sorry, again, a long answer. But, uh, yeah, you know, within reason, um, it's not going to be a huge problem. But if you have any chance to keep them at least close to freezing temperatures, that's that's probably better for them. <laughs> That's only for summer-only tires. If you're talking about an all-season tire, it's really not a big deal. They're already formulated to deal with extremely cold temperatures, so 
don't worry about any of this. It's this does not apply to you. Just just the summer only super high performance tires. Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks for answering that. <laughs> got to move on. We got more. <laughs> um, someone named FC Factory says, "Any suggestions for rust proofing the Model Three? Lots of salt on the roads in Montreal!" Exclamation mark. Well, buddy, you're not the only one. There's lots of it <laughs> on the roads here in Ontario. I think I'll answer this one because I had the chance to uh, go to a Tesla owners club meeting of Ontario last summer. We went to um, Excellence Auto, who is the one of the very first, if not the first. Um, authorized Tesla repair facility, uh, or body shop, I should say, um, authorized by Tesla. And um, I had asked one of the reps there specifically about rust proofing uh, on the Model 3, and his answer was basically, you can do it if you want to, but if you're going to do it, do not go to a place that's going to be drilling anywhere in the car to access the hidden spots to put this coating stuff in. And the reason, he said, is because they... Um, the way that Tesla constructs their cars with dissimilar metals and dissimilar um, fastening methods and stuff is that you could potentially cross-contaminate those areas uh, with little filings and stuff. And all that's going to do is, is start introducing corrosion. Um, and the whole point, of course, is to not corrode the car. Um, uh, he basically said, you know, of course, if you look on the underside of a Model 3, it's it's completely flat. The only real exposed areas are... Uh, uh, in the suspension linkages, specifically in the back and in the front. So if you want to undercoat, yeah, do those areas, but um, you know you don't you don't really need to. That was their thing. Of course, on a Model S or a Model X, it doesn't really matter because the car is really aluminum. All it's going to do is corrode. It's not really going to rust. So hope that answers your question, Mister uh, FC Factory. <laughs> All right, next one here comes from Aaron Adkins. He says, "Is Tesla considering buying one of those soon-to-be-closed GM factories for Model Y, Semi, and Roadster?" This has been all over the news, of course, because uh, GM has just announced they're going to be closing a, a variety of plants, including one here close to us here in Oshawa, Ontario, uh, which builds a lot of um, different cars. It's been scaling down over the last few years, but uh, we're talking approximately twenty-five hundred to three thousand people going, um, not having a job anymore. So, of course, all over the Internet, everybody's been talking, well, it's another opportunity for Tesla to pick up another factory like they did with Numi. Now, of course, in an ideal world, if Tesla, let's say, we're not privy, of course, to any of Tesla's plans internally. So we don't know what they're going to do. But, of course, this is not something they can anticipate. They have, um, they just became uh profitable for the first time since 2013, which was a you know, one quarter thing. Hopefully they can keep getting uh, staying profitable. Um, Tesla also has some debts that are coming up and one of them in, in next quarter and the other, and a really big one coming up in Q1. It's almost it's almost a billion dollars they got to pay off. Um, and Tesla has specifically said that they don't want to refinance that debt. They really do want to pay it off. They also have commitments because they've started the Chinese Gigafactory. They also have the Gigafactory in Nevada, which still needs some expansion. And I've made uh, no secret about the fact that I really do believe that their plans for, at least with Model Y, yeah, maybe even the Roadster and the Semi, that that is the most logical place for them to build them from the North American market is in the Gigafactory. So all things being equal, it might be a good opportunity for them. Of course, it's not like the plants are shuttered right at this moment. Um, it's going to be phased out sometime next year. So... I don't think it's really in the books for Tesla to pick up one of these plants. I'm not saying it's impossible. I just think that internally they probably already have plans laid out and you can't just switch and change all of a sudden because that really affects, you know, there's a lot of ramifications, of course, that can change your production plans and stuff. So I think, you know, the, the thought, I mean, it's a kind thought to think that, yeah, it's a good opportunity. You might be able to get some good deals and stuff, but it would probably really wreck a lot of their internal plans already for these cars. So... I don't personally think it's going to happen, but you, you never know with Tesla. So hope that answers that question. Uh, next one, James Paul. Uh, well, it looks like this one's directed directly at me. It says, Trevor, Ben mentioned, I'm assuming you mean Ben Sullins, of course, uh, mentioned that there uh, was reasonably priced used Model S vehicles available in the U.S. as lease returns currently and many more expected in a few months. Have you heard anything about expected Canadian supply? Oh, okay. So this is a Canada-specific question. Um, the answer is no. I haven't really heard anything. The one thing you need to remember about um, uh, Teslas in Canada is we are not uh, permitted by Tesla to import American cars, American Teslas, into Canada. Uh, Tesla does not have the resources, as they claim, uh, to be able to handle any of the conversions for our um, uh, our laws, our, our, our 
whatever you call it, ministry transportation, whatever it requires. There's an importation process you have to do. There's, I mean, there's a lot of things going on. They don't allow us to do that. So the bottom line is if you're in Canada and want to buy a used Model S, S or 3, it has to be a Canadian car. Can't bring in a US one. Not true for the other way. Americans can pull the Canadian cars. There's no restrictions on that. It's just for us. So I would suspect that, yes, there's a lot of Model S's coming off of lease because, let's face it, some people that have leased them in 2013, you know, three years, 2016, 2017, 2018, there are going to be some. If you're interested in any of those cars, please call Tesla directly. They do not put them on their website. Um, they have an extensive inventory that's only available to them internally. So if you're interested in any of those cars, uh, call up a local showroom, whatever, and just say, look, I'm interested in XYZ, and uh, I'm sure they can pull up something that's of interest to you. So, uh, But yeah, I don't have... Uh, full formal information on that, but I would suspect that they have quite a bit of inventory now on hand uh, as far as that's concerned. All right, last question, guys, before we call it a night. This one comes from uh, Javier Guerra. He says, uh, will the Performance Model 3 get ludicrous mode, or is that just as fast as Tesla wants it to go? Ian, <laughs> I want you to take this one because you have certain thoughts about this. I I do. I uh, like like all hopeful performance owners. I'm hoping at some point we get a little switchy switchy with a little extra candy candy. Um, that would be lovely. But I don't expect anything major. My my theory, and it is purely speculative, is that uh, we are right now in data gathering mode. They're they're watching all the maniacs such as myself, um, beating the <laughs> crap out of the cars to see what happens. And uh, over time, they will make a judgment call in terms of what the drivability looks like for the whole drivetrain. And based on how they're doing, um, they might start slowly ramping it up. So whether that'll just be, you know, over-the-air updates to give us a little bit of outright speed has, has happened already with Model S and Model X and certain, uh, certain trims. Uh, that could be the case. Or we might actually get a switch because who doesn't? Who doesn't love a switch that says ridiculous <laughs> or ridiculous? Or, I'm, I'm with Jay Pace on this one. I think ridiculous would be appropriate. Yes, you know, I agree. We shouldn't get ludicrous. I'm sorry. That's that's an S and X thing. I respect the hierarchy. But, you know, going back to the Spaceballs theme, that the perfect spot for us would be ridiculous. Uh, I would I would love to see that switch. So let's see what happens. I give it about a year. Uh, maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. But maybe we'll get a little something. Waiting for, wait for my maximum yeah. plaid mode. <laughs> That's They've it. gone plaid. They've gone, gone plaid. plaid. The, the one thing I can tell you is I, I'm just absolutely certain of this. There is definitely more to be had off the launch. I think the car is close to the maximum it can put out. When you start reaching about uh, 30 miles an hour, it's pretty much going full guns. But it's not a violent launch, not compared to a, a ludicrous S. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. that flattens your eyeballs. Yes. Um, this car doesn't do that off the line. It, it pulls really nicely, but if there's this... Whoop, yeah. And then it goes. So I think they can really ramp up. They can give us a much bigger bang off the line. Um, the other thing, too, is, and I just want to touch on this for, for a few more seconds, is there's a huge amount of speculation. It's like, well, I'm sure the car can, you know, if they completely uh, uncorked it, it would go down to 2.3 or whatever, or 2.7, or pick a, a really aggressive number. No, it can't. I'll tell you why. Because unlike the, the performance model S and X, this car doesn't have special motors. Uh, the only thing they've done to increase the performance is they've picked, they've handpicked the rear motor, the partial permanent magnet motor for the highest Sigma. In other words, it's, it's the pick of the lot. If they're making a thousand of these, you know, the top 50 of them get picked as, as the best performers out of the batch tests. So we're, we're starting with the creme de la creme motors. And then what they're doing is they're putting in better inverters, these silicate carbide inverters to allow more current in and out of the motor. So they're hot rotting an existing motor. And that tells me that they're already pushing this motor pretty close to what it can do. I think its peak output when it's really revving up is pretty close to the limit. I just think it's off the line. If we're going to get any extra bang from this car, it's going to be how hard they let us launch it. So mm -hmm. maybe a tenth or two, that's I think all we're going to see. But there we have it. <laughs> well, coming from the man who knows uh, Performance Model 3 better than anybody I know, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Um, I think for everybody's sake that, uh, you know, a little extra performance would be nice. Elon kind of did hint a little while ago they might be able to sneak a little bit more. But, um, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they've done this before. Um, you know, stay in ga data gathering mode. They, they did it to uh, the early 2017s on the S and the X. Uh, they uncorked the performance of those cars. That's literally what they call it, uncorked. And uh, shaved one second off the 0 to 60 time on those cars. And then it just became kind of the norm on the cars. So uh, hopefully they'll be able to do that in Model 3. 
Well, that's the end of the questions, guys. Um, that really brings us to the end of the show. So, um, Ian, since you're on screen, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet if they want uh, tires or wheel questions or anything else. They just want to invite you for dinner. Where can they find you? Free food. I'm always down for free food. We'll drive anywhere. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Ian Pavelko for the spelling. Uh, check the show notes. Um, and you can also find me at Model 3 Owners Club under the handle Matt Hungarian. And uh, lastly, if you're so inclined or if you're doing a little bit of Christmas shopping, we have the lovely line of Matt Hungarian Evolve wear. So there's the traditional Evolve shirt, which I'm wearing this evening, which has got the, uh, the little evolutionary logo on it here. The there you go. That's the traditional one. Yes, there we are. Whoops, and sorry. don't forget Come the other shirt, the weapon of mass adoption. Yes, that's the latest one, the weapon of mass adoption, which Mr. Camacho has been so nice to model for us the last few episodes. That's available. That one's springing up everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is taking on a little life of its own. It's kind of fun. And uh, those you can find on um, the website's called uh, teespring.com, T-E-E, Spring. Dot com and just look up Mad Hungarian Evolve Wear and you should find them. Mm, as and, usual, uh, there's a link in the video in the uh, podcast description. You'll be able to take you right to Ian's shop and you can check it out for yourself. There you go. Awesome. Eric, my friend, where can people chit-chat with you and uh, if they have any questions about Tesla in general or whatever? Sure. And you guys can find me on the internet on Twitter at the handle ECFIX. That's E-C-F-I-X. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see that I am holding also one of the amazing mugs uh, from Teespring, courtesy of my buddy Ian. Uh, this is the Weapon of Mass Adoption mug. And we also have the wonderful Model 3 logo on the back side. So uh, it is a fantastic product line. Again, the shopping season's here. Tune into our last podcast if you have uh, friends, relatives, coworkers, even people you hate that are awesome Tesla people. <laughs> buy some, buy some gifts. Uh, support our sponsors, and uh, Trevor will tell you more about that uh, in the closing notes of the show. But thank you so much for all you guys for submitting your questions for this week's show. Uh, we're looking forward yeah, to continuing this as the weeks go on. Yeah, we will make it a regular thing on our show going forward. Uh, I have a lot of fun answering the questions, so we're uh, even if the podcast or the show ends up being a little bit longer, we're going to try and make this a regular thing. Um, well, that brings us to the end and, uh, well, you can find me on the internet, uh, the most, uh, uh, the prominent place for me on social media, of course, is, is Twitter. The handle's at Model3Owners. Um, want to say thank you and everybody who's on the forum, that's at Model3OwnersClub.com, so you can be a member on there. We've got some 26,000 people that are registered on there and it's growing like crazy. Want to say a big shout out and a thanks to our sponsors, that's, uh, EvanX. Uh, Fine Lab and the guys at Doolaban Insurance uh, want to say a big thank you to our sponsors. They're the ones that really make this thing going. And, uh, of course, our Patreon sponsors. Those guys are really keeping things chooching along. So thank you uh, to, for those people. And uh, also, don't forget, this is literally by the time you listen to this podcast, which will be really Friday, um, That Friday is your last day uh, to order yes. any Tesla. Um, if you want the $7,500 federal tax credit uh, to be able to be guaranteed to have a car delivered by the end of December, we're talking about U.S. people. So if you're interested in that, please use someone's referral code. You can use mine. You can use Eric's, Ian's. We'll put them in the show description. Use it. Don't lose out on that free six months of free supercharging. A lot of people don't yeah. know about the perk. Uh, please get it out there. Use the perk. I mean, because after that, it's going to be gone. Um you know, if you want that federal tax credit, I mean, you may still be able to get the perk at least until December 10th, because that's when the referral program uh, goes into. Uh, after that, who knows what's going to happen with the program. So uh, if you're looking at ordering a car and you want that federal tax credit, get it with a, a referral link uh, and get yourself that. Especially for, for my, especially for Model 3, because you might be able to get an inventory Model S or X. Yes. Those will be, but Model 3s are custom orders right now. You want to get those in. Absolutely. Thank you for that. So, yeah. So we'll put that in there. Anyway, that's it for tonight. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for watching, listening, wherever you happen to be. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thank you, everybody. Bonsoir, tout le monde.